Hi, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Vivian Aqua and I call myself the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And today, I know that today it's about George Floyd and the impact he had on the workplace, but I do want to share some safe guidelines because speaking about this topic, it is challenging. So I do want you to be mindful of us sharing our heart, our sharing honesty, our sharing trust, but also know that this is a safe space. So I will not, and I repeat, I will not tolerate hateful messages or trolling or whatever. I'm not inviting them. I'm just letting you know that, yes, I can block you. So the trolls out there know that I will not highlight your comments. I will only share comments that are supportive, that are embracing the new wave, that are inclusive, and that is challenging the status quo from this moment on. But I do have to say this as a safety guideline because the topic that we are about to talk about was the death of George Floyd. And it's again, challenging for us to share. So be mindful of that. And I hope that this conversation inspires you to shed more, uh, to shed more insight about why I decided to speak about, speak up about George Floyd, because last year, when I heard the news, even though I'm in the Netherlands in Amsterdam, when I heard the news, I was devastated. I was devastated. And each time that we each time that I witness something, that I see something, I can see my brother. I can see an aunt. I can see somebody that looks like my brother, that looks like my aunt, or that looks like my father, or looks like my mother, or looks like my sister. And it's hurtful to see that. It's hurtful to see that. In the Netherlands, it was being played over and over again, being since, it seems like sensational, right? And... There was one time my son is coming in and he has his Mickey Mouse moment uh, to come in, but uh, I asked him to come in. Come. I asked him to come in because I had to, we had to, his dad and I, we had to explain what happened to George Floyd. Know that, yes, he's biracial, part of him is Dutch, but the other part is Ghanaian. And when I explained to him what happened to George Floyd, the only question that he asked me was, is somebody going to hurt you? Let that sink in. Because dealing with knowing what happened to George Floyd, and then suddenly it touches home to me that I have to do the double parenting sooner than expected. Now, need to, need, need Peter, uh, sooner than expected. So. It's upon to me to raise the bar. It's upon to me to amplify DEI. And that's why I'm connecting the dog with amplify DEI because he asked that question. And I saw somebody who impactful, um, Alexis Ohanian. You might know him as the partner of Serena Williams, but I know him as Alexis Ohanian as the former, the former board member of Reddit. And he stepped down. He stepped down to make space for somebody else. And up to now, I think that's the only huge impactful thing that I saw 
uh, when it comes to amplifying DEI. Of course, a lot of companies have done some impact or have created some space, but it's not enough. And that's why I'm inviting my guest speakers of tonight to have that conversation as well. And also know that great places to work, Michael C. Bush mentioned something. And I just want to, I just want to say something about, uh, about that because he wants action as well. It's good that your company is talking about improving diversity, equity, and inclusion or implementing diversity, equity, and inclusion. Implementing inclusion, diversity, equity, uh, equity, and inclusion or diversity, yes. But it's also time that we see that talk. It's time for you to walk that talk. We are not here to implement one night stand training. We are not here to implement check in the box. We are here to stay and make a difference and to create a space where your company can become innovative, can become creative, can mean so much more and also can have a competitive edge. So I will be inviting my guest speakers of today and I will bring them up. Let me see. The first speaker that I want to announce is Michael Dillard. And Michael is based in Honolulu. He is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and he's also the founder of Ion Global Goodwill Initiative. And he sometimes teases me with the video of Hawaii. But besides that, he's an amazing guy, an amazing person to connect. Angela Shaw, you might recognize her from her TED Talk um, the stereotype of the angry black woman. If you don't know that that TED talk yet, please visit that TED talk and support her because her TED talk really inspired me and I reached out to her. So Angela Shaw is a HR subject matter, but also an instructor of HR essentials, working to groom the next generation of HR leaders. And uh, her TED talk is called Busting the Stereotype of Angry Black Woman. Last but not, lead, uh, not least, sorry, is Giada Sabion. She is an inclusion in tech program manager and a social impact strategist and so much more. Passion and heart when it comes to amplifying DEI. And Michael will be joining soon, yes. So why do we need to humanize the virtual workspaces? Well, I think just not only virtual, but just in general. So even mm -hmm. before we went into this virtual work world, the need existed, a lot of reasons. But I think for me, the biggest reason is the disparity that exists and how people are treated everywhere, even in the workplace or especially mm -hmm. in the workplace. So I think by acknowledging this disparity, the disparity of our past, the disparity of how we're promoted, how we're selected, how we receive raises, that disparity, if we acknowledge that, that's one way in which we can help humanize the workplace because we will want to talk about it more. It'll make it easier to do the work that we need to do to get the change that we want. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. That deserves an awesome card. <laughs> and Giada. Giada? Oh, well, I think, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, okay. Okay, great. Um, uh, I think 
Well, if I'm thinking of what, what we've gone through this past year, going, you know, coming into sort of entering the second year with, with COVID, I think what I've heard more and more is the fact that people, um, the fact of being at home, the fact of being able to work from home and has really gotten a lot of people to rethink about what their priorities are, actually in some uh, ways um, made make work become yeah. secondary. A lot of we've all valued work a lot in the past and it's been like a primary thing. And some people are saying, well, maybe I'm gonna try something else. Uh, maybe I wanna go out on my own. Why do I need to do the nine to five? They're realizing it's not necessary anymore. Um, and with this shift in priorities, I think that uh, really what I get, how I interpret it is that people really just wanna to connect to what you're saying about the human aspect of life and what the, they're rediscovering their home and family life um, and yeah, their lives outside of work essentially. So I think if we need, want to continue, especially for if we want to go into the subject of mental health and really uh, continue down in that path, it's important for employers to recognize that and that need for people to just relate and and feel comfortable and and be authentic as well in in their work environment uh, uh, for, in order for it to be sustainable in terms of uh, again as I said especially men, mental health people have really I think had the chance to reprioritize um, not everyone uh, but I, I think many have uh, had the chance to reprioritize so it's very important for us to touch touch into that sure thank you. And Michael? <laughs> so for me, I think that uh, it's just a very basic thing, right? I mean, people are people, right? So whether you're on the virtual space or whether you're in a workspace, you know, people want to feel accepted. They want to feel connected. You know, they want to feel like they're people. And when you feel like you're a person, you're going to deliver more for that company because you feel that you're accepted and you're not just like a, you know, you're not some little box to check off, right? No, you care about me, you care about my family, you care about everything that goes into me. So I think that it would only be in any company's best interest to, to work to humanize the workplace, whether it's virtual or, you know, a physical front, right? It's, it's yeah. necessary. We yeah. spend a lot of hours at our jobs, right? So it's a good thing. We spend a lot of hours at a job, but yet my son is being taught at school to activate his human aspect. And yet when we go to work or when we go to the office, it seems like we need to tone it down or it seems like we need to leave the fun part at work and or leave the, the yucky part or the sad part or the, the things that aren't fun or related to work, leave that at home and only activate what you need for the workplace. It doesn't work like that. I'm not a robot and neither are you all. So mm -hmm. why is it so that we are telling people to become robots while we're not? That's a good point. So, so starting Giada, starting from uh, what was shared, oh, I can see a comment from Marjolein who sometimes is also here, has also been a guest on the show as well. Thank you, Maria Lime, for sharing this. And um, now we're going to talk about George Floyd. And again, I do want to emphasize that it's important for you to share whatever it is that you want to share because I value a safe space. And if you want to skip, that's totally fine. But can you share one word after hearing what happened to George Floyd and why are you choosing this word, Giada? 
I think um, it's difficult to reduce it to one word, but I, mm -hmm. uh, I two words I... is also allowed. <laughs> well, uh, uh, deep grief, confusion, and I would say, but maybe my primary word would be uh, shame or embarrassment. Uh, mm -hmm. And what I chose that word is it's sort of double edged. Like shame is, of course, based on uh, how shameful. The, the actual scene and what yeah. we were was, and then uh, on a more personal side, shame because it's uh, it made I felt so ashamed that it took that uh, to activate certain uh, parts in me um, and to revisit uh, certain thoughts and or, or just even to think about certain things in general. Uh, I must say that. I probably made me realize that because of a lot of privilege that I hold, I hadn't really ignored a lot of things. And I felt quite ashamed about that actually um, as a whole. Thank you for sharing. Angela. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I would say that I felt distraught. And I think it was because it was caught on video. Mm -hmm. And because it was so long, and it's not that there hasn't been other videos out there, but for me, this is the first video I saw of a person actually losing their life on video. Mm -hmm. um, and I was very distraught by that. And like you, Vivian, what I thought about is the people, my family and my life who look like me, who look like George Floyd, who this could happen to just because of what they look like, distraught. And I think as more information came out about what happened to him, the people who tried to intervene, the store clerk. There was a really great article about the store clerk a year later and how the store clerk is feeling, the one with the counterfeit $20 bill. Yeah. Um, I think it goes into powerless, you know, mm -hmm. just so many people powerless to stop this man, to not stop this man from losing his life. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Michael. Yeah. You know, initially I had just one word, but now after Angela okay. said something, now I realize I have two words. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I have two words. Yes. The first thing was, the first word was polarizing. It was mm. polarizing, right? So what I saw is that it polarized, it polarized everyone, right? So I quickly saw whether I was at work or church or wherever, people that I thought was an ally, I quickly found out where people stood based on their comments. So yeah. I realized, okay, you're speaking out of ignorance. You're coming from a very a twisted place. So, oh, you're not the person I thought you were. Got you. Mm. I didn't confront those people. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, I see you. And then the next, the other thing I'd say is I felt angry. When I watched that video, I felt angry, not just at what the police did or, or why they did it, right? Not just at the outcome, but... I saw all of those people that were around there and the very small number of police officers. And I said, and this might not be fair, but I thought to myself, why did you, if I had been there, I would have been the person that would have ran into it. I just, I know how I am. I'm like, why didn't they just all storm them? Just don't let that person die. Why didn't you all act? You know, and people were afraid. And, and that's why I felt angry for multiple reasons, but on the back end, it was the fact that you're all upset now, but you were standing around. You could have just, in New Jersey, we call it bum rushing. You could have just bum rushed the police and they just would have dealt with what they dealt with, but the man didn't have to die. So those were the two things that I felt. 
it's it's hitting to me because um i will share what i felt i now understand what some of my nephews some of my brothers or some of the black men that i know are going through and people have people think that yes the netherlands is very progressive and yes the marketing regarding the netherlands our flowers our weed the red light district etc (laughs) etc very good but they never share the story about how it is to be living here in the netherlands as a black person we have our december Mm -hmm. You know, thing, uh, Black Pete, etc. I will not touch into that because that's a whole topic on itself. But being a woman, being a Black woman, and realizing the hurt that I recognize now when some of the Black men within my circle are sharing and realizing that you just saw Orlando, he is biracial. But for the outside world, he'll still be seen as a black man. And I felt hurt to share to a six-year-old why a person of color had to die. And I realized that I have to start the double parenting now. I knew it was coming someday, but I did not know that it It's going to start now and I'm getting a little bit emotional because it's painful to be able to share that with a child and even more painful to watch the video over and over again, especially the part where he was screaming for his mother. That was too much. That was a lot. That was a lot because when was the last time that you saw a white person going through what George Floyd went to? Have you ever seen, besides seeing horror movies, have you ever seen something realistic, similar, like that on television? Vivian, you mentioned the double parenting. Every Black person knows what you're talking about when you talk about this double parenting that we have to do. So I I just had to co-sign on that phrase. Definitely, definitely. For, For the people that don't recognize it or don't know what double parenting is, so... Let's say that we have, uh, you have the IKEA book for parenting, right? Every parenting, every parent have that. On top of the IKEA book, we have a, another IKEA book for people of color, for black parents to share with their child how to behave when the police confronts them, how to make your hands visible, how to not, you know, not aggregate the conversation where they can use certain things and how to diffuse the situation when you come into contact with some authorities because it's your word against them and you are by default you are by default labeled as the criminal it happens here in the netherlands well let's keep it real because we it's it's easy to it's easy to point the finger at the u.s But if I share the stories that are happening here, a similar thing, what happened to George Floyd happened here in the Netherlands two or three years ago. Similar. So no, Europe is might be seen might be seen as um, a role model. And yes, we are in some cases, our public holidays, our bank holidays, our, our, um, our HR policies, maybe, but 
the human aspect of treating other people that don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't have a different background, there's a lot to be learned, taught here as well. And people take it lightly, but actually the British monarchy and what happened mm -hmm. to Meghan Markle, that actually is an example also of Europe and its treatment of people of color and her actually being in her workplace and not getting yeah. the help that she needed. Yeah, and Meghan, Meghan only wow, shared just this part, just a tip of the iceberg. That's what she shared. Just by sharing what she endured. And I think she lived here, she lived in the UK for three years. Imagine growing up there. Imagine growing up here mm. in Europe. I, if what really frustrated me or irritated me about that whole situation was the idea that anyone well, anyone could be shocked that that was, that that happened. I just, I wasn't shocked at all yeah. that that happened. I mean, really you, like you thought that i just i just that just was and that they were above it or like uh, i don't know it just really that no. whole thing was, i mean there are still systems right. in place here in our own monarchy monarchy here in the netherlands but i won't touch into that because that's a very that's another again a very delicate topic but i want us to center uh to remember and to support um, George Floyd opened up a lot. And I also wanted to share a comment supporting you, uh, Giada. So Tanya is sharing, I resonate with what Giada said earlier. I wrote an article about work life while working in the advertising and marketing industry. Human connection is everything. Thank you, Tanya. And Michael, if you don't know Michael Grunewald, you have <laughs> to know him because he is a he is a social justice ninja and so such a supporter and such amazing and he tells it like it is so he shared he shared totally not shocked individual here so i understand that <laughs> going to the next question and i'll start with you michael some companies okay. managers leaders think that we should not address social injustice politics in the workplace google Basecamp, Google the example of Basecamp and Google the example of Google. What's your opinion? And please share why this is important as well. Oh, this is a, this it's, is a it's great a loaded question. one. <laughs> I love questions like this. And you know what? It's a, there's a dichotomy, right? Yeah. So it really depends on what type of company you want to be seen as. If you want to be seen as a company that values its people, then mm -hmm. you must address that. If you yeah. just want to be seen as a company that's profitable, you know, it's a public, a large public, uh, publicly traded company or whatnot, then, okay, yeah, maybe you don't want to address that because the money is more important than the people, mm. right? But the real, the real uh, talent or the real uh, value within a company to me is, it's not just the service that you provide because it's your people, right? Without those people, yeah. you have no services. So when you treat people a certain type of way, and I'm not going to call out any companies, um, we're all familiar with them in the news and whatnot and how they treat mm -hmm. people of color, then your stock goes down. There's no yeah. way around it, right? So that's, to me, that's why that's important because without your people, and I have multiple companies, right? So if I, if I treated my people all crazy and I didn't want to address certain things, um, I would fail. There's no way around it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Angela? 
So I disagree with companies doing this. So I just wanted to put that fact out there. Mm -hmm. I completely disagree with this. I think that companies are run by specific individuals and these individuals are more concerned about their own comfort than Mm -hmm. they are about the people who work in their actual organization. And I think that they use these rules to label things that make them feel uncomfortable that they say we're not going to talk about in the workplace. And they use the political Mm -hmm. label. Mm -hmm. They use the social injustice label. They say things like this is causing problems in our organization, Um, but using those labels to stop people from talking about it is the opposite of humanizing the workplace. And we talked about this earlier, but how do you live Mm -hmm. this whole life that you have to leave at home when you come into this workplace every day? Because that is what you're thinking about. Um, when you're coming to this workplace. The other thing I think is in not addressing the correct thing, which is how do you have a difficult conversation? So Mm -hmm. instead of saying, we're just not going to have this conversation, what structure Mm -hmm. do we put in place to have the challenging, difficult, courageous conversation? So that we can have Mm -hmm. that in a constructive way. Yes. To piggyback on what you do, to add on to what Angela just shared was, by not by sharing that people are not allowed to talk about it you know what happens when i tell you not to think about the 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 purple flamingo <laughs> you are going to think about the purple flamingo and you are That's going all. to talk about the purple yeah, flamingo which means yeah. that you are going to think about the purple flamingo and whose fault is it? it's my fault because i like purple and i want you to think about the purple <laughs> flamingo yeah so by, by sharing that people cannot speak up about this topic or cannot engage in these conversations, then basically you're saying that, again, they can only activate their robot self, sit there, look smart, look beautiful, and yeah. that's it. It's also upholding the power structure. It's also mm-hmm. letting these people in power make the definition of what yeah. is political or not. I mean, it yeah. just does a mm-hmm. lot of negative things that have long-term effects it's it's happening also in schools and i believe in texas right it's happening in schools where something happened recently where a teacher is allowed to speak about certain things but it's not allowed to talk about privilege right and i'm just like whoa what's happening here what's happening Mm -hmm. here we mm-hmm. have to be able to provide a safe space to have these conversations. And it starts in the educational system, but it also starts at home. Right. And it can be constructive in the workplace. As long as you provide space and provide guidelines and provide situations where people are allowed to have these conversations in a constructive way, don't mm-hmm. piggy, don't don't behave like the elephant in the glass room or in the glass closet. Because that's not going to work out well. We all know that's... about whitewashing history, but we're actually whitewashing it while it happens. Yeah. We're not going to talk about it. We're whitewashing it in real time, y'all. In real yeah. time. Because yeah. we're yeah. not going to talk about this. This is some 1984 little... stuff. This yes, is 1984 definitely. stuff right out the book. <laughs> okay. Yeah, They're changing the, the meaning of certain words and things. You can't talk about that, right? It's like, wow, it's right in the book. Crazy. But luckily, we we live in an era where we have social media because otherwise it will would have been hard to connect. It would have been hard to even mm. engage in similar conversation and even sharing our experiences or sharing stories to educate others. 
Michael also wants to share that he wants you to think about parrots. Michael, his other name is the <laughs> parrot guy. So please, people, <laughs> think about parrots. <laughs> and he's also sharing, apparently talking about racism is worse than the actual racism. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, well I have nothing to say. Exactly. Awesome. We need the awesome sign for that. <laughs> Michael, this is especially for you. I've been trying to get him here online, but I've had a conversation with him on the podcast. But this is especially for you, Michael. <laughs> so it's 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 one year after George Floyd's death. And let's also spread the positivity. <clears throat> George Floyd's death opened up a way for us to connect and to unite. I mean, if it wasn't for George Floyd, I don't know if I would have created Amplify DEI as, as fast as I, I did. And it uh -huh. compelled me to think about what my son was sharing, right? Here I am listening to him and I was broken, heartbroken for five days. I saw Alexis Ohanian, maybe it was a sign on that day, I was really like, what can I do? What can I say? And I saw Alexis Ohanian sharing this simple question about when my daughter is asking me about what did I do to make the world better? What, did, what action did I take? I want to be able to look her in the eye and say, I stepped down from Reddit to create space and I'm, I'm, I will keep on pushing, but this is a decision in his zone which you can control, and he did it. Right. So, what's what do you have to share when it comes to a positive impact of George Floyd, Diada? Oh, uh, yeah. So for me, it's definitely been well, like for many people, I suppose, a huge journey, um, uh, and one that's brought me closer to community is really and. That's been insane. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't have enough time in the world to, <laughs> to go through what that process is like, but that was uh, quite amazing. So um, uh, it, I thought I was, you know, I thought one thing about the environment that I was in and I really got like slapped in the face, cold water ice about the reality. Similarly to what you said, Michael, about, you know, when people were making comments, you were like, oh, so that's what you're about. Okay. Mm. It was so revealing and yeah. it helped me find my people. It sort of mm -hmm. revealed like and true colors and who I really, uh, and then on a separate note, it also uh, made me connect with, you know, uh, this is part of the, what I'm coming back to the shame element. Um, I'm also like your son, Vivian, biracial um, and uh, I grew up telling people, you know, when people say, uh, where are you from? I'd say, I'm, I'm Italian. And I always, would always say, oh, that's because it's, it's simple. My passport's Italian. And like that, I was born there. So it's just an easy, it was, it was easier than saying, well, I'm Italian, but also Zimbabwean and then Chinese and Indian. Like I just have, you know, a lot of identities. So I just thought, oh, I could just keep it simple. And yeah, I just ended up having lots of conversations with my mom. And also I feel a lot more comfortable to, I felt like an imposter, right? To claim that African uh, heritage um, of mine and um, it's helped me come closer to that and 
feel more comfortable about expressing that uh, in a certain way for sure. That's the first time that I'm hearing this as well. I was curious, but it's not polite to just ask, right? So thank you for sharing that. I was curious too, Vivian, so it's okay. <laughs> Angela, what do you have to share regarding the question? So I think that the reason why companies are wanting to stop this talk is because there has been more freedom to talk about it. I think mm -hmm. that that is a huge change that the death of George Floyd brought is more people wanting to talk about social injustice, the way that it's affecting us in the workplace and in our lives. And that part is positive. I think it's also helped uh, people like ourselves who want to not just talk about it, but see some real change have this accountability mm -hmm. part. So how are we holding people in our lives and in our workplaces accountable for uh, not being the people that we thought they were <laughs> and how they take that into the workplace and affect other people because of that? I think the other thing is, is that there's now a huge spotlight. So even while people are still being performative and haven't done much work, it's a spotlight. So CEO of Basecamp who wants to come out with a blog post that you're not going to talk about this stuff anymore. What were the repercussions of that? It wasn't good. The spotlight. I love that there is the spotlight now and I want to see more of that. So I Maybe think you those... can share some highlight of what happened because a lot of people left. Yeah, well, I think it is important to say they had about 60 people, right? But even in terms of having that many people, a third of those people leaving, and some of them in senior leaderships, that's a huge effect on your organization. Um, so I won't, I don't want to talk too long because I don't want you to push me off the stage. But what I will say <laughs> is, <that laughs> you said to keep it fun, Vivian. Listen, this is who I am. I'm bringing 100% me, right? So I love it. It started y'all listen everybody out there i'm from texas so y'all it mm -hmm. started with a list of names that internally employees were keeping about names that sounded yeah. funny funny yeah. Yeah. funny because they're different funny because mm. they have ethnic roots funny that's what this whole thing started about somebody came in and said this is not okay um, this is racist. Why are we doing this? And that's really what started the splintering of that organization. And then it became, again, we're not going to have a conversation about why we shouldn't be doing this. We're just mm -hmm. going to say, you can't talk about this kind of stuff because yeah. it's bad for our organization. That's literally what yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this spotlight. I've seen, I I've seen other companies using the base camp situation where they were like we are looking for new engineers we are not like base camp or we hey base camp uh, engineers <laughs> we have some amazing open spots and know that we value diversity equity and inclusion and i was just like oh, this is what i'm talking about because there you're setting yourself apart saying that we don't tolerate the BS that is happening in your company. Mm -hmm. Come to us. We value certain elements or we value the elements of DEI. And I, when I saw that, I was just like, mm. and I'm just sharing this to give, you know, other companies some insights when you're seeing something and you see valuable talent working there. Why not use that example? The just saying that. Exactly, exactly. Thank you, Angela, for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Michael. Yeah, two things again, right? So for me, yes. it's two sides of the coin, right? So we I see the I see non 
Well, I'll just say white people. Yeah, I'll say white people. Mm-hmm. There we go. So for the white people, many of the white people that I know, they started open, openly acknowledging mm-hmm. white privilege or what it meant to have white privilege. And they're, yeah. they're having questions with, with the black people like, hey, am I, do I operate in white privilege? Where do you see, you know, let me, I literally had these long conversations with people. And they were earnestly trying to like uncloak themselves from wearing white privilege, which yeah. I applauded. You know, if the conversation went a little uh, in the wrong direction, I kind of like, eh, eh, no, 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 we'll keep it over here, right? They kind of got off track a little bit, but anyway, <laughs> the other side of the coin, <laughs> yeah. the other side of the coin is for the people of color to start really owning their their color. You know, like, hey, yeah. if I want to rock this particular, like I used to have dreads, and when I moved in my nine to five, when I moved up to my regional director position, I remember like right before that, people were telling me like, oh, you know, you should cut your hair and do this and do that. Mm. I wasn't going to do it. But then my wife at the time, she said, you know what? It's probably a good move to go ahead and cut your hair. But if she hadn't said that, I'd have been like, I ain't cutting my hair. But just to see the people stand up and say, look, this hairstyle is professional. This is is professional. That's professional. I'm like, I love it. I freaking love it. Exactly. But I I don't know if that would have come to the forefront as soon. Yeah, yeah. and I love the hair too. I don't know if that would have come to the forefront as soon and as boldly yeah. and as vividly if it wasn't for what happened, unfortunately, with George Floyd. Yeah. I'm curious, Vivian, about, well, from a, a Netherlands perspective, uh, I, <laughs> because it's just so different. I just, it's just, you know, I hear these stories, uh, I follow a lot of US media and I hear Mm -hmm. these stories about things that happen and and like what you're saying, Michael, about uh, uh, white colleagues or people that's going through this and having these earnest conversations, I haven't had any of that. And there's there's that, Mm. uh, you know, the thing about the burden of the person of color having to teach white people, you know, and the white people come to them for questions. I'm like, I wish somebody was coming to me, some question. (laughs) If you, if you are, if you are, if you want me to share a name of a company in the Netherlands that is uh, being led by a Dutch CEO, I have no names. I'm still waiting. I'm hearing crickets (laughs) out there. So the way it is that I see now is that there are international companies that have their mother companies in the US or elsewhere that are really stepping their game up regarding DEI. But I would rather highlight individuals that are doing the work instead of highlighting the company. So Marjolein Vlug, you you saw her. She's one individual that to me is the exemption of allyship and she knows it. I, I share that with her and she's also using her privilege to, to elevate the conversations, right? You just saw Michael. He is elevating the conversations by bringing in history, connecting it with history and connecting us together while he's working for a company where I would, you know, challenge the, challenge the conversations as well when it comes to DEI, but he uses his platform, he uses his space to elevate the conversation. So I would rather highlight the individuals than the companies mm-hmm. at the moment, right. because I haven't witnessed companies doing the work that goes beyond the talk to keep it 
one hundred to keep it one hundred. <laughs> there we go. Look, I did think that. I said I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> I think that's I also it. true. I think that's true in the U.S. Yeah. too. Yeah. I do, and that's why I use the example of Alexis Ohanian. But that's the ultimate goal, right? There is another. There is another company that I applaud, or another division of the company that I applaud is Coca Cola, who is challenging their external law firms or external law consultants to come with transparency. So I think that the number is thirty percent or forty percent that the company has to show up with diversity, diverse speakers, because they want to be represented in that way. And mm -hmm. if your company doesn't meet those recommendations or the recommendation of Coca-Cola, they will deduct your consultancy fee with 30%. That is a walk the talk action. Mm -hmm. Accountability. So if you, mm -hmm. if you don't activate DEI or start your journey with DEI, Remember you have investors eventually. Remember you have clients eventually. They are all going to start asking questions. So think about your internal stakeholders, yes, but also think about the external stakeholders that have power and we'll use that. So I'm just sharing here it here because I want to, you know, inspire people that are in certain position, decision makers or investors. To really think about including this rule when you're handing out money or funding or investing in a company or buying products. Let's use our money as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is how is. <laughs> You saw me tiptoeing around. How can I say this? You know what? Just say it, right? <laughs> That's how Michael is. So um, I really enjoyed this conversation because I, before starting this conversation, I highlighted the importance of us having fun, but also realizing that this is a delicate subject topic to talk about. And thank you for providing that space. Thank you for providing a space for other people to feel inspired and also for other people to see, you know, scratch a little bit, scratch the surface a little bit of what we are experiencing. And thank you for, for, for doing this. It's the last question. <laughs> and I have a wish. I know that it's, we are almost halfway through 2021 and 2025 is knocking on our door, but I still would like to know your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and social injustice. And I'll start with you, Angela. I think I want to see more healing. Um, mm. I want to see the receipts that companies are pulling out on themselves to say yeah. when they've been good or not and the yeah. action that they want to take for that. You know, individuals are really good about pulling receipts on other people and companies. I think the companies should do it to themselves. So as we move mm -hmm. past performative and get to action in 2025, let's just be putting these receipts out there. Um, so I love that. And, um, you know, in 2025, I'm still going to be Black. So, you know, I would hope not to have the same challenges that I have today. So those are my wishes that. for 2025. Love that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Angela, for sharing. And Michael? 
Well, first of all, I'd like to say 2025, I too will still be black. So <laughs> I, I got I got a co-signer. <laughs> That's the quote of the day right there, honestly. <laughs> so for me, 2025, what I really want to see is not that I want to see more programs, because we all know there's been programs. Mm. What I would love to see is authentic buy-in from the top down. That's what yeah. I want to see. Because I see companies where they paid money to bring in consultants. And I mean, I worked at one of those companies for Cornell Lab. They brought in the consultants, they put the programs in, but then the company owner, and this prompted me to start my first company, the company owner actually just bulldozed right over those things and just violated the whole policy. And we was like, what the heck is he doing? Right, so I wanna see authentic buy-in from the top down and then the culture will really change, right? That's what I want. I'll keep praying about it though. I, I, so am I. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, for me, based on, again, based on my experience, I, I think number one, I hope that there will be a reduction of fear uh, around mm. this topic. It's hopefully become a much more accessible subject for everyone because right now it's really not uh, easy, more easily than allowing people to be more easily vulnerable. And also, uh, subsequently, just really, um, the solutions are there, right? We, yeah. We've put forward, I know a lot of people have put forward great ideas, but because of this fear, they're not translated and they're seen as radical. So yeah. I really hope that what today is seen as radical is no longer seen as these extreme radical ideas. And it just, uh, yeah, uh, these things, um, and the ignorance basically starts melting away because people, I don't, wouldn't like to call people stupid. I don't think a lot of people are bad or unkind or stupid. I just think it's ignorance and, um, and hopefully all this combination of things will, uh, Fingers crossed, bring some progress. I hope in 2025, I hope that more companies are preventing fires from happening. My name is Vivian Aqua. That's easy. My last name is means, it literally means water. And I'm now being hired to, to put out incidentals or put out fires, just incidents out just by spreading some water or just by putting the, the fires out. But wouldn't it be better to have a fire prevention toolkit available so that you can prevent mm-hmm. these fires from happening? Just putting that out there. Just putting that out there. Absolutely. So I am, I am, I, I started this conversation with, shall I do it? Shall I not do it? It's important, but it's really challenging. And you all flip the script because I now end this conversation with so much hope so much fun and so much insight and hope that it will be manageable. I also would like to share something with you all. So um, let me highlight. At the moment, I am hosting the Amplify DEI Summit in September 2021. And that means that there are spots open for speakers. But if you don't want to speak, and your company has made some kind of commitment regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion, think about using the conversation, using the commitment that is on your social media, on your website, and sponsor this event. Just giving you a tip. Sponsoring this event is a start 
to elevate the conversation, a start to start your DEI journey as well. I welcome everybody from every level because I know that different people are starting the journey on a different space. And I've invited Angela, I've invited Michael to join the summit, Giada, more than welcome to join the summit as a speaker. But also know that if you're watching and you have a message to share to leaders, to inspire them, not to add salt, but to inspire them to move the needle, you are more than welcome to join. So go to my profile. I have the, the speaker call uh, connected to my favorite post or my future post. There you can find in more details. And if you want to know more, please connect and I can share more as well. So thank you all for being amazing and for creating an impact. And hopefully next year, we can have we can share a different story and i would love to have the conversation with you next year again and see where we are at absolutely that would be amazing yes yes thank you all <laughs> for watching thank and you. know that you can listen or you can watch the replay on linkedin facebook uh twitter uh youtube as well but also know that it's on your podcast channel so uh listen back to this let's humanize the workplace because the amazing guest speakers have shared so many amazing tips and um uh, it will be a loss if you don't listen back and implement some of the tips that the people have shared so i'm seeing one comment Yes, I thought of <laughs> Michael again. <laughs> Thanks, great, great hearing from you all. You should definitely connect with Michael. Again, Michael is such an amazing person. But besides that, he will educate you all to do better as well. And thank you, Michael, for being such an amazing ambassador as well. So thank you and have a good day. And I'm seeing Anna join. Thank you all for the inspiration. Thank you, Anna, for sharing that as well. I wish you a good day, good night, or good evening, good afternoon, and until next time. Bye. 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 Don't leave, speakers. Don't leave.